This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest bump. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This you microphone week? put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Oh, Hannibal. Hannibal. Mr. Dot Commer on WEEI.com. Recapping the Saints uh, game against the Patriots. Not a good outcome for the Patriots. 20, was it 28 to 13? Yes. 28 to 13. And I think we would both agree the score was not indicative of what that game was. Like it was one possession game at the end, but it was not like that all the way through. It wasn't, but you got to give the Patriots credit to some degree for where they got it to. Um, they were within a score. They were within a defensive stop of re- making it really interesting. Um, and I want to start off before we really delve into the game, which certainly the first half was, was ugly. Um, I think I saw some people cre- crediting it as a debacle. One of the rare debacles of the Belichick era. Um, I want to give credit to the crowd at Gillette stadium that I thought stayed to the finish stayed engaged to the finish, booed appropriately at some pretty crappy play, but didn't go over the top negative. I think the crowd at Gillette was fair and aware of what they have in a team and didn't like go beat on the team for being bad because they know the team is what it is kind of at this point, but they were trying to be a positive force right up until the end, that last Saints drive that took whatever, six minutes and and put the game away. The crowd was there. The crowd was ready. They wanted to erupt. They they were louder than I think they've been at times in similar situations in the past. So I am frequently sort of critical of the crowd in Foxborough. I thought that was a good Patriots crowd. Yeah, I think getting into like how they, they were still in the game. Like somehow it was still one possession game with whatever, seven minutes left. And that third down, whatever it was, third and seven, third and eight, where I think the crowd was the loudest it was all day. Like they coming out of a timeout, like they wanted to stop because they had the entire momentum. And then they got the first down. And I think after that, it's over. And we've seen through three weeks, there's a pretty simple, direct tie to the Patriots' results. They are one and two. They lost the opener because Damian Harris fumbled. They kicked butt in week two because Zach Wilson threw them the football four times and they weren't good enough. They had a lot of other issues, but they did turn the ball over. They threw three interceptions, one of which was a pick six, another of which was a near pick six, but resulted in a pretty quick touchdown. That's 14 points right there. They are riding that middle of the pack road where you win the turnover battle, you probably win. You lose the turnover battle. you pro- And I think the Saints are the same, right? 
you, no, you, I think they're in the same boat as the Patriots. They're the middle of the pack team that basically their results each week depend on whether they take care of the ball or not. And we saw it early, early in New York. Zach Wilson threw into a triangle of Patriots. The Patriots pick it off. It starts the ball rolling on a Patriots victory. Early in this game, the Saints are driving. Jameis Winston throws into a triangle of Patriots. Jawan Bentley was in the middle of the. Tr- you don't end up with an interception. That could be the ball game. Who knows? If you get that pick, that could change the whole. Because Jameis Winston is out of his flipping mind. He's just absolutely nuts. He's the least stable quarterback that I've ever seen. Maybe Mac Jones is too stable and too critical and too whatever. Jameis Winston is cuckoo kachoo. He throws a pick there. Maybe that changes the whole I game. Just, I don't know player. how he didn't have one interception yesterday. He tried. He tra- I mean, even one of his touchdowns, he just blindly threw up into the back of the end zone. Right. Maybe he knew that there was going to be a flag because Jonathan Jones was getting a holding penalty anyway, but still. No chance. There's no chance. There's absolutely no chance. He's just, he, he's entertaining, but he is, I would not want to ha- put my faith in Jameis Winston as my quarterback. All right, rank your, rank your uh, issues for the Patriots. Issues for the Patriots. I would say offensive line, defensive front would be my top two issues. Yeah, I thought the front was better yesterday. Yeah, not good enough. Well, I thought that, like, you could have allowed 150 yards rushing to Kamara, and they really didn't. You could have, but you also so, like, couldn't stop I anything. thought the defense, if like, until that last drive, I thought the defense was okay defending the run. I would say okay. They were good early. They forced a three and yeah. out early. Then there were some chunk runs, seven yards, seven yards were part of it. But you're going to then... get that with Kamara. Like, that's why I look at it differently. Well, wait a minute. It's about expectations, too. And again, the, oh, I forgot John U. Smith also. Um, can we put him in the – I forgot to add him because individually he's the biggest problem this team has right now. Uh, yeah. um, but, the again, maybe it's a me problem and our, our, our loyal listeners, and we have a lot of them. I appreciate you listening again. Thank you. Our loyal listeners know I was very high on John U. Smith and I was very high on the defense, particularly the defensive front, the new look all the bodies, the options, Belichick can mix and match and athletes. They're not good. They're not well, good enough. Like, I don't think they even know what they're doing because they're rotating so many guys in and out. Like, no, but I'm serious. They don't even know like what it's almost like they're still figuring out who's best where, what they want to do with certain guys, because it's like some guys, your, your better defensive players are taking entire series off. Like it just it doesn't make sense to me why Dante Hightower is not out there for an entire series in the second and third quarter. Like he's he's your one of your best defensive front seven players. Where is he? Juwan Bentley, I guess we learned now, is out with an injury. But it just seems like they don't really know what they have and what's the best mix for their personnel. And and even Mayo has acknowledged that. Not that he's the defensive coordinator or whatever, but Gerard Mayo a couple weeks in a row has said, yeah. We're still figuring out what we have. We're going to be better in October and November than we are in September, blah, blah, blah. And they've done that over the years. More often than not, they don't do it to the tune of one and two and maybe one mm-hmm. and three in a hole that you may not be able to dig out of. Um, but they are, they're clearly frustrated. I mean, Devin McCourty made it quite clear they're frustrated of mm-hmm. how they – and I give him credit. I give some others credit. They've talked about forget the numbers or this or that, like – when we need a play, we're not getting the play. When we need to get the ball back against Miami, we couldn't. When we need to get the ball back against the Saints, the Saints march down the length of the field 75 yards, put the game away, and we're helpless to, to do anything about it. So um, I, that's a problem. That, and maybe it'll get better, but didn't we think 
run the ball, play defense, offensive line, like the things that were supposed to be your foundational building blocks early in this season are not your foundational building blocks. And that would lead me into Jonu Smith is going down the road of extreme bust because don't tell me, oh, he's got this and he's doing that. Like he's supposed to be one of the, the centerpieces of the offense. And this isn't opinion. This is based on what we saw all summer, how they were getting him the ball, like what they were doing, the number of all of it. And right now he is a puddle, an absolute puddle of mistakes. Can't catch the ball. The, the pick six interception on the first throw of the third quarter was he looked unathletic. He looked awkward. He like, like he was like stumbling when he was trying to make the catch. And then, and, you know, Bill talked about it with the Greg Hill show, like going back to him and keeping him. And then he, the bubble screw, the little screen. Well, they threw. I, want, I noticed that. And like, I don't know if you want to be mentioning this, Bill, when you went back to him, it hit him basically in the face. And like, like and I don't know whether it's mental or physical right now with him. Is he like just in a mental slump and like the yips kind of, but even earlier in the game, play over the middle, just misses a big play, play mm-hmm. down the right sideline. I'm not going to say it's easy, but he needs to make some plays. They they signed him to $50 million for a reason. They, they've worked all summer for a reason. They think he can be more than he was in Tennessee. But right now, you're now I didn't watch all the Tennessee games, but you're on pace to basically get the numbers from Tennessee. And we said this, one of our podcasts, we talked about like, how come he never was more? How come he... You know, with the weapons around him, an offensive coordinator who people liked, who became a head coach, you know, you have Henry setting the tone, play action, all these opportunities. If he's the best run after catch tight end in football, as Bill Belichick dubbed him when they played him in Tennessee, how come he's not? Well, maybe we're getting the answer. A, I'm not sure he catches the ball great. Like, first and foremost, one of the one of the things I always said about Rob Gronkowski that got overlooked with his personality, his size, his... Th- he caught the ball. He had some of the greatest hands you'd ever see. And that that's where that all starts. I'm starting to think he, John U. Smith has questionable hands at best and maybe just, just not good hands. And then Hunter Henry's same thing. Like he, where, where is he? Like I look at their issues in the red zone. They're two for eight on the year. Like that's where, he, that's where those tight ends are supposed to make their money and be valuable. And they're, they're not like that. that that's a major reason why they're not having success in the red zone. Right. Hunter Henry, I think, has like 10 catches for 100 yards or whatever it is. Not good enough. Again, you multiply it by they played three games. So you multiply it by five or so. He's going to get 50 catches, right? Like he's he's on pace for 50 catches at the end of the year, which I guess is in line with everything he's done. But yeah, but the problem is, like we talked about, we they signed these players to be more than what they have been in the past. And they're not getting that. They signed it's on projection. And especially for them, if you get your 50 catches working with Keenan Allen, it's one thing. If you get your 50 catches and you don't have Keenan Allen, well, now we're just not a very good offense. We have nobody who's atop the the playmaking role. Uh, So they have – okay, you brought up red zone. Red zone hasn't been good, obviously. Been a, a statistical issue with this team. Field goals, touchdowns, the whole thing. Mac Jones was obviously asked about it post game. I thought it was interesting that Mac Jones brought up um, creativity. I think he used the word and Josh McDaniels and play calling, which I thought for a 
third start of his career rookie QB who has tried to say and do all the right things to bring up the coordinator and the creativity and the play calling. Um, I thought that was telling to some, he thinks there's a lack of creativity. He thinks that play calling maybe is part of the issue down there. And I know we will fixate on Brandon Bolden getting the ball. Some of that is necessity quick. You're reacting to the James White injury. Bolden is the backup in that role, whatever. Sort of. But, I mean, yeah, continue with your thought. I mean, he is the backup in that role. Whether you like it or not, he's the backup to James White. And because of his experience in pass protection and those types Why of things. Why is J.J. Taylor on this team? Because he could be a player down the road. I just think he's a developmental guy. He's a developmental guy that isn't where they need him to Literally be. Literally, they don't trust him if he only got 10 snaps and, you're, and James right. White leaves the game early in the second quarter. Right, but that doesn't mean they won't trust him next year or won't trust him down the road. Um, he's a developmental guy. But they, Josh McDaniels, to me right now, is part of the problem, not part of the solution. And that doesn't mean I hate Josh McDaniels because I like him. I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's had a great three-game start to the season with a young quarterback and a new offense and weapons and offensive line that hasn't been good enough. Like, that's not on Josh, that the line right. stinks, that the line can't protect, even though Bill Belichick doesn't seem to be as worried about it as everybody else. This is two consecutive Mondays. Last week, it was right tackle. I think we'll be all right there. This week, it was, well, wow, Mac Jones got hit 11 times. I think that's about normal. You throw the ball 55 times, you're going to get, wait a minute, 20% hit rate is normal? You expect to get hit two out of every 10 dropbacks? I don't think well, like that's- Like we said, too, it wasn't the the number of hits. It's not like he was just touched. He was taking some shots. Oh, there was one pass down the left side where he got absolutely, he's lucky he doesn't have broken ribs or, or something. He got just absolutely lit up. Um, he got pressured into, I would say, his first interception. Yeah, I, still I would, say that, exactly. I would chalk that up to a rookie mistake. Yeah, that- Cause it's not like he was getting completely hit, mm -hmm. but he was like getting hit. Like there was there, but he almost like he lost the ball just trying to throw it. Right. Yeah. That was ill-advised on a lot of levels. Like I think he could make that play in college and get away with it, but not in the NFL. Right. Um, but yes, I think Josh McDaniels needs to be significantly better. But how do you, but, but better in what sense? Like getting the tight ends, the ball more, like getting the ball out quicker scheming things up like in the red zone i think it's throwing the ball more i think that they're they're relying too much on the run in the red zone and but, fl the flip side of that is i thought they abandoned the run too early yesterday i thought so too i think that's i, th I don't think he trusts the line so you don't trust the line but you say you know what mac we're gonna throw it 55 times hope you got your rib pads on today because you're gonna get well, hit because bill says you're gonna get hit i just like, I don't like harris he, he couldn't get anything going all game yeah, like, but he got six carries. Like, there's plenty of running backs that are lead backs in the National Football League that six carries into the game, and I mean elite running backs, haven't done a ton. Like, some of it is, are we going to be a running team? Are we going to play that way? Is he a workhorse running back? Are we a workhorse offensive line? Because if so, at some level, you have to be willing to punt or have some early stalled drives and stick with it I didn't think they stuck with it. And it wasn't just the score. I know the second half, yeah, the pick six kind of altered things. Right, you go, yeah, 14-3 to 21-3 like that. And that's an issue. But I thought they put the, the running game away in the first half. Like, I, 
why would you throw it as many? We're, we've just talked about the line is questionable. Mm-hmm. Jonu Smith, who's supposed to be your top target, has not been good. In, in fact, he, he's been making plays for the other team at times. Um, Hunter Henry, borderline irrelevant. You lost James White, who's been one of your better contributors to the passing game. Nelson Aguilar has been, meh, like nothing. Uh, even the, the first, down the left sideline, I think the first deep ball was to him. It almost was like he gave up a little bit. Then there was the play later that Bill acknowledged down the middle. Communication. They didn't see it the same way. So why are we in such a hurry to spread it out and throw the football? Like, wasn't this team built to have a lead back named Damian Harris carry the ball 20 plus times behind an offensive line that I know is without Trent Brown, but. The issues are way beyond Trent Brown. Yeah, way beyond Trent Brown. He was getting hit a lot from the left side, which is your former number one pick in, in Isaiah Wynn and the greatest offensive lineman to come into the NFL as a rookie since I don't know when in Michael Unwenu based on PFF and all those people. Yep. So you have problems across the board up front. I think they need to run the ball more. I, I you can't do it this week. Tampa Bay's front is probably one of the best in football. It's, it's fair, but I mean, what are you going to do this week? You're going to lose. <laughs> we can get to our predictions later in the week, but right. I'm happy to I, lay I, I think your point's there, though. They need to commit to being a run-first team that is going to stay committed to the run, regardless if you're down two touchdowns or not, and rely on your supposed strengths, your run game, offensive line, and your defense, which I think need to, in turn, pick up with their, their supposed play. Well, first of all, everything stinks right now for the Patriots. I mean – Two straight weeks, you've had a kickoff out of bounds. That's field position. That's bad. If you're going to play this game of field position, run the ball defense, you can't be giving the team the other the, the ball on the 40-yard line because you kick it out of bounds consecutive weeks. Touchbacks. Jake Bailey is punting the ball into the end zone. Again, those are – it's little. Like, it's not Jonu Smith's tipped interception. Sure. But the kind of team you are and the kind of games you want to play, those are factors. Those are all negative factors towards – you know, it adding up and you not being competitive enough. It's like they're trying to be – I don't know what the scheme is on these kickoffs, but, like, they're trying to be too cute in a way. Like, just kick I think so. And it's yeah. the same thing – back to McDaniel, it's the same thing on offense. Like, it was the at the end of the half when it was fourth and one, and they had Myers lining up in the backfield, and then you had Hunter Henry jumping off sides coming out of a timeout. Like, why not just line up Mac Jones in the center and do a quarterback sneaker? Why not just line up with Damon Harris in the backfield and just run a dive play? Like, it's right. just like you're not – good enough to get cute like just just stick with the basic stuff and and take it play by play yeah I I do think they need to get a little bit more basic um and that would include the running game that would include special teams uh by the way somebody getting cut on special teams because I like to read into Mike Reese's questions uh sometimes Mike Reese asks questions that I feel like are informed questions was that when he paused was that someone getting cut or getting taken off special teams um either or but it certainly felt like getting cut in my opinion mike reese asked bill belichick in the zoom call monday morning you know you have a lot of guys in the in on the team that are primarily special teams guys they're here for that reason performance hasn't been up to the high standards could there be some personnel changes or something there um and he asked that question that led me to believe that he thinks there's a shot whether it's informed or not maybe he's just basing on what he sees or whether he heard whispers. Of, well, you, of could, you could make a case for it. Teams one and two, like if you cut one of your core special teams guy, it's kind of a wake up call for the team. And I think Bill's done that in the past 
at some point in the year. Yeah, I would just say, so Isaiah Wynn sucks. Jonu Smith sucks. Henry Anderson doesn't play. Like, you got all these things, and you're cutting me because I made a mistake in the kicking game, like I'm Justin Bethel or Brandon King right. or whoever. Right, right. Oh, talk about a scapegoat. Like, how about we look? How about Henry Anderson? He doesn't play. Like, your defensive front isn't good, and Henry Anderson doesn't play. I'm sure they have some scheme-related thing, but I agree. But it's the same thing we talked about with these other guys. Your playmakers like Josh Uche. I know he wasn't active this past week, but he's not playing well. Right. Um, but getting, getting back to – okay, so Matthew Judon's been good, right? The stats wouldn't say it, but I think when you look at the actual number, like the, the play in the game, yes, he has. Okay, so we got Matthew Judon. But um, Nelson Aguilar, Jonu Smith, Hunter Henry, uh, Henry Anderson – Kendrick Bourne, throw him in there. But Kendrick Bourne had a big game yesterday. Maybe he's trending in the right direction. All right, so leave him out for now. Could, could go back. I just think this is the reason why. Trent Brown, throw at, him in there. Uh, Trent Brown. Um, this is the reason why when you look at big offseason changes, people often say, well, let's wait and see because it's hard for the, all of that to come together and you often don't get value or return on investment when you bring together so much um, new talent, different talent. And I would say that's been a part of their problem. They have not gotten the return on investment on a lot of these guys. And some of it's guys that were here too. Like mm -hmm. Isaiah Wynn needs to be better, you know, the, whatever the, the offensive line, um, Kyle Duggar. I, I don't know that he's had the year two jump that I necessarily um, thought he plays a lot on special teams, by the way, he's, he plays more than anybody on the, the team. He's a big special teams guy, yes. Yeah, I, I looked today when I was doing I'm not saying necessarily part of the problem, but he plays almost every snap on defense and 20-plus snaps on special teams. Are you overloading his plate a little bit? You know, just, just something I wanted to throw out there. Um, but getting back to this game, this game I do think is just indicative of, of who you are. You're a middling team. They're a middling team on the other side of the ball. They don't have a great quarterback. You don't have a great quarterback. We used to both have Hall of Famers. We don't anymore. This is our lot in life. We may still have good coaches, but they don't look as good because their talent is not as good around them. And we didn't – you turned the – I turned the ball over. You didn't turn the ball over. I lose. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the year. Like these games, the Miami game, the New Orleans game, these were the 50-50 games that you would hope to win a couple of them, and you're losing them. So – now you're kind of hoping to win some of the games that you weren't supposed to win, but I don't think this team's good enough to actually do that. And they're, they're chasing in games and they're chasing in the yeah, season. They're, they're already chasing because right. they're going to be one, one and three and right. sure. They play the Texans next week, but even still two and three after five games, like that's not where you want to be. And, you know, looking up the rest of the division, Buffalo starting to play better. Who knows what happens in Miami, but like right, right now you're you're chasing as opposed to saying, oh, we're, we're okay, we're where we're supposed to be. You're already behind the eight ball three games into the year. And your depth has been challenged already. Your right tackle goes out, the offensive line stinks. Your passing back goes out, and you, you're in key situations. You say, huh, Brandon Bolden's on the field. Huh, I got to count on Brandon That's Bolden. That's what I wanted to say. They have no – they have no player that you can go to to say, we can count on this guy when we need a play, even if it's just a six-yard catch. You don't have that. Like the entire first half, like they didn't get a first down till 
whatever, three minutes in the second quarter, you had no player that you could say on offense, like, let's just get him the ball. Like, I, I know Edelman was honored yesterday, so he came to mind. Like, that was a, the first half was a half that you just needed Edelman. Like, something that you could just say, run a 10-yard, you know, out route. We're going to give you the ball and get a first down and get the chains moving. You don't have that on offense right now. Right. And we we talked about that a lot over the years with Brady doing that, even in practice, Brady to Edelman. Oh, uh, something's going wrong. We've got three incompletions. He's going to Edelman. Everybody would say it. You'd, you'd know it. He'd do it. You'd get a catch and there'd be some sort of a, okay, take a breath. We had a positive play. We can build on it. I would say still maybe Jacoby Myers is trying to go down that road. Um, and you and I talked about this with Giardi kind of walking in the tunnel back from, uh, media access last night if Jacoby Myers is that guy is that an example of you're not good enough like he's yes. the he, best he, what he is he is he's exactly what he is he's just like you said with Hunter Henry with Keenan Allen Jacoby Myers is great with that if you have a number one receiver to go along with him but you don't so therefore it means you're a, a below average offense and not only do you not have the number one you don't even have at this point what you thought you'd have in John U. Smith, whatever he was supposed to be. And now James White, who we're a week removed from saying, wow, James White was key in that game in New York. He ran the ball a couple times, touchdown. He caught a 26 yard screen or whatever, like jump start, flip the field kind of plays. You're already down him. And John U. Smith hasn't developed into anything like that or, you know, what he should be for his paycheck or his expectations. Um, this feels very negative. This podcast should be. They're one and two, and they got they lost what to the Saints, and they lost James White. It seems to be a long term injury. There's not much positives to take away. Okay, I did just want to bring this up because positive Andy likes to pop up every once in a while. They are a fumble away from being two and one. Sure. Okay, but, but they're all, they're, all, less... they're, they're also Zach a few Zach Wilson less turnovers away from being zero and three. Okay, fair, fair point. And that's the reality. And that's why some of us picked them to be a nine win, nine and eight, eight and nine type team to start the year. Cause you were kind of in that weird muck of mud in the NFL and flip a coin. Um, so are they hopeless? In terms of what, like making the playoffs or. Oh, forget the playoffs. I never even thought the playoffs was a consideration. Um, no, I think that they can still have like a positive season like momentum building like if they if mac jones you know develops like a nice connection with jacoby myers and john if john o. smith turns it around like you could still have things to build on optimism like i'm not saying it, the season's a waste well i mean we talked about i don't we've said it but like the quarterback position like this year's about mac jones if you develop mac yeah. jones as the starter i still and, feel good about him yeah i mean my column last night was that like he's the least of the problems. Basically we've fixated on Mac Jones and the quarterback position. Their problems are elsewhere. There's a lot of other yeah. issues going on with this team. And I, I don't know if you read the, or heard Drew Brees talking about Mac. He was it very did, positive yeah. about yep. Mac Jones. So Mac Jones is still for the most part, a positive developing feel good story or however you want to paint it. It's the rest of the team that isn't isn't i mean yeah, you need someone to block for him you need people to catch passes for him yeah other than i mean i guess the two receivers late put up some numbers born and myers uh nick folk is doing his job sure. uh, continuing to hit field goals but the momentum that we thought would be key 
doesn't feel like we started with it. The defensive front, the defense in general, the offensive line. Maybe you get Trent Brown back and you'll suddenly feel better about the line. Maybe, domino effect, I don't know, feel good, whatever. Because I, I've said this a bunch. I do think they intended to run right. I think they intend Shaq Mason, Trent Brown, like they want to run in that direction. Um, maybe you get that back and maybe you run that a little bit and then play action comes out. And like, maybe there is sort of a trickle down effect. Um, John o. Smith, I do want to bring up something that I don't want to bring up, but I do want to bring up because I'm thinking it. Um, I made the comparison, Daniel Graham. I think he could end up, Dis, I think he's a better blocker than I thought he was and not nearly as good offensively as I thought he was going go to load be. him up on the right side next to yeah. uh, Trent Brown. He comes back and just go power to that side and run behind him. I mean, Daniel Graham was a first round pick who was the Mackey award winner athletic didn't have great hands and his role ended up becoming a great blocker with an occasional catch an occasional end around whatever, but his major contributions were as a blocker. It's early. I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I'm wondering if John U. Smith is going to end up being more of a blocking tight end. Either right. way, he's not going to earn it. All right, let's get into the Brady stuff that's already been happening. Right, right after the game, the page turns, page flipped. So yep. Um, I guess Monday morning, Belichick went on the Greg Hill show and basically said that he wanted Tom Brady to return all along. He didn't want him to leave, but the Bucks were a better option for Brady after the season. Uh, he was pressed on What's that noise? Is that you? I don't hear anything. It's gone. Uh, he was pressed on the um, conference call by Tom Curran, and Bill didn't really get into it and referred to the statement that they released 18 months ago, which I thought was strange. Uh, so funny when you say that. Is it literally 18 months? Did you count the months? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, That's the best. <laughs> I don't know. What were your takeaways on, on the initial stuff with, with Brady? Well, there's a lot. I mean, my, I'll be writing a column. Like if we take bill face value, like surface that the question, the way it was posed by Chris Curtis, I thought he did a nice job. You know, you always said over the years, there's no other quarterback I'd rather have than Tom Brady. Uh, when did that change? And bill said it never changed. He wanted him. It wasn't that they didn't want him. He got a better offer, basically found a better spot in Tampa, which again is true at the actual time of the decision. But if you wanted Tom Brady, you did things leading up to the decision that at worst pushed him out the door at best made him feel like he wanted to leave, right? Like making him uncomfortable or not happy or emotionally disconnected from the, but if I'm a Patriots fan, and I take everything at the surface. Robert Kraft said he wanted Tom Brady to finish the career in New England. Tom Brady, by all accounts, until he cried his way out of New England, literally write the reports where he cried at mm -hmm. Robert's house because he didn't want to leave, but he just felt he had to leave. And now Bill says he wanted him. You three wanted to stay together. Then why the effing F is Tom Brady coming back to Foxborough in freaking pewter with the Bucks as a Super Bowl champion for another team? They're all, they all have certain parts into why it, it didn't work out. I think Brady was a little – was a crybaby at the end, kind of, you know, wanted – At the to, end? But did you make him a crybaby? No, I don't. I don't think oh. so. Oh, oh. So he was a crybaby because he was getting yelled at in meetings. So 
that that's who Bill Belichick is. That's that's just who he is. That's that's why he's so successful. Like you're going to get yelled at in team meetings. It's okay. I agree, and I know so Dante Spanaki, the legendary coach, said on our airwaves this weekend, like. We've all been there. He believes that's part of why the culture is so great. Like, and no I would agree with that, thousand percent. But let me just play devil's advocate. People think I'm a Brady hater. I'm not. I try to look at things from all sides. If I'm Tom Brady, and I still think I'm really good at 38, 39, 40, 41, um, and I think some of the weapons you're putting around me suck, absolutely suck. But I'm a good soldier. I say in press conferences every Wednesday, if we put them out there, it means I have faith in them, Bill, blah, 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 blah. And then I get behind closed doors. And the first thing you effing do is shred me. When you know I'm going out there with Nikhil effing Harry and whoever you want to list as guys that he didn't work with. Don't you think that would get old? That would, that would, and especially if it's not orchestrated at the very least, Come to me before the meet. Listen, Tom, you know how things work around here. Like we've established a culture where I get everybody else to fall in line because I treat you a certain way. I need to do that. Right. I, I would look at it more as just the weapons thing. Like he looked at the weapons in Tampa and said, I can go play with that. Where, where I oh, have but forget that. Like that's at the finish. I'm saying the years leading up to the finish at the point where the negotiations are ongoing. and the point I think it's Brady, just more about the talent that he had. I, I don't care about the meeting stuff. Like, it's just the talent that he had. Like, if he had better talent, then I think he'd be okay with getting shredded in meetings. You know what I mean? Right. No, no, I agree. But, yeah, I don't. So are you saying Bill just admitted I did a terrible job building around Tom and he saw better options elsewhere? Like, is that is that the way you can read that quote? I think that's how deep down I think he feels like, just look at the drafts. Like it's, you can just point to those drafts in the years leading up to his departure. They didn't hit anything. They didn't bring any big name free agents in. You lost Rob Gronkowski. You didn't replace him. Like that's where I look at it most. Well, but yeah, I mean, they did bring people in, but they were busts. Antonio Brown, because of what happened, gone. Uh, Josh Gordon, because of who Josh Gordon is and the issues he's had for years. Those two are just scrambling moves, trying to appease Tom. Mohamed Sanu, same thing. Scrambling move, appease Tom, didn't work, wasn't good, got hurt, that whole thing. Uh, I just, (laughs) when you read it and you hear Bill say, it's not that we didn't want him. Well, then why isn't he here? Everybody wanted him here. I think it was easier for me anyway to accept the idea that Bill believes certain things. He had been in the lead 45 effing years and he'd never seen a quarterback continue to play at a high level into his mid forties. And he started the ball rolling with Jimmy. Okay. Tom played better a little bit longer, but I just can't invest. I, you know, the whole idea of Bill gets rid of a guy a year too early rather than a year too late. And the idea that Bill made a tactical decision based on evidence right like that he'd never seen anyone do this I have to go with the numbers that's who I am I'm an economics major out of Wesleyan but to hear him say no 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 I wanted Tom wait what's that now Bill you wanted Tom so I can't even give you the benefit of the doubt that you you went with history and numbers in the way you you know you thought with your head not your heart or is it him just trying to play the PR game you saw the comments last week and like it's not, he's not going to like, he, he tried to get pressed on it. He didn't get into any details. So he just makes that comment. I didn't want him gone, but doesn't really explain anything. 
but just gets that out there to get his side of the story out. That's where it could be too. It's just, he's playing the PR. Which Robert did 18 months ago. He made a, he made, he's made comments about if Tom wanted to be here, he'd be here or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like they're putting it all on Tom, which is, I guess, a response to the regime in Foxborough didn't want him there kind of thing that we got last week from the father, Tom Brady senior. I just, and then people it, are going to point to, they never really gave him an offer. Like they didn't give him an offer because they knew he was, he was gone. Why give him an offer? Right. I think people are going to fixate too much on the end. Yeah. Not enough on the year plus two. But like the, the, the 27, 2018 seasons, as opposed to just the 2019 season. Right. Like at the end, I think Tom wanted out. They knew he was out. Like it was already over. The divorce had already happened. Like, he was already sleeping on the couch. He was still living in the same house, but he was sleeping on the couch. We knew the separation was coming. I think everyone knew, just so like sort of in Green Bay this year, everybody knows going into the year, more likely than not, Aaron Rodgers is going to be gone. And you just, because it's, you don't want to actually admit it. I think looking back on it now, everybody kind of knows that entire 2019 season, there was no chance of keeping him around any longer. He already made right. it. Fun. And in Green Bay, if people say, in the 2021 20, 22 offseason. Well, how'd you let Rodgers leave? Well, it's not about then. It's about, I mean, Rodgers detailed it for his part. Some of those, like, this goes back years, personal relationships, the way he feels, all of that. The end is not going to be the reason Aaron Rodgers leaves. It's lead, It's the years leading up to the end. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing with Brady. It's the exact same thing. You can fixate on, oh, was there ever an offer? What was the actual? Nope. This happened over multiple years, not a few months. Who do you put it on most? Um, I think it's got to be Bill, right? Kind of does. I mean, if... But but that's just who... Bill stuck to who he was. He's not going to ever change for one player. Like, I think it'd be the same thing for Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's not going to... He wouldn't change the way that he does things on a big level for one player. That's just not who he is. But don't tell me then you want him. Because everything you've said is right. Okay, you're still treating me like crap in a meeting, even though you're surrounding me with crap. You're using me as your whipping boy. We're not, we don't feel like equal partners anymore. And if anything, you're not doing your job at this point worse than I'm not doing mine. I'm still competitive and you're not putting enough around, blah, blah, blah. Like, I think in the end it's Bill. Like, but the one thing I will say is I've always believed that and Alice Guerrero articulated this to some degree, like Tom changed 30 year old Tom wasn't 20 year old Tom wasn't 40 year old Tom. like there was an evolution of the diva superstar entitled and people can get mad. Oh, entitled that. No, I think he felt entitled to certain things later in his career. And you can argue he should have been, he's the goat. He's got all the rings. He's the straw that stirs the drink. He draws people like getting back to Rogers. People don't come to Green Bay because it's a great place to vacation. They come to play with me, right? Right. Tom Brady knew the same thing. People take less to play with me. People come to Foxborough to play with me. They come to win with me. And you want to treat me like I'm not better than the rest? And I agree with Guerrero. I don't think a single other player would have ever complained anything you did with Tom Brady. You could treat him with kid gloves, gold you can tell him, don't, you don't need to practice, you know, Thursdays right. and Fridays, just come Wednesday. Like, yes. Not a single player ever would complain or do anything. That's the one thing that I will say. We all, ha- there's been a divide in Patriot Nation, Belichick, crap, anybody. Ex-teammates 
I've never heard a single bad word about Tom Brady. No one ever roots against him. No one, um, like, so the teammates would always be okay with whatever you do with Tom Brady because they love Tom Brady. They believe in Tom Brady. We saw this from afar when he arrived in Tampa. They love Tom Brady. They believe it. He, he sets a certain... So you could have done whatever you wanted special treatment wise with Tom Brady. And it would not, in my opinion, have adversely affected your culture, but bill didn't do that. Couldn't do that. Didn't want to do that, whatever. So in the end, I've always, well, see, this is where I get back to though. If you're Robert Kraft and you let bill handle it, well, then you're also making a decision. You like, about at the time. You're right. He, yeah. He, you're he, ultimately he, responsible. He's involved as well, which I think he, people, he doesn't want to be, he's kind of stayed away from it. And I think some people have kind of not included him because of that, but he's, he's certainly involved as well. Right. You're the, you're the top dog. You, you make you know, owners own and everybody else falls in line under you and you let bill do certain things. Um, but again, it it's, it's like, I think he could have stepped in and said like at some point, whether that was 2018 or ever say, sit down and say, Tom, what do you want? I will make bill do that. Right. Which he had done. Over the years, various yeah. times he right. had done, if you believe the stories out of the dynasty book and all that dating back to like 2010, 11, you know, a decade. And then certainly after the Eagles Super Bowl loss, he had continued to put, you know, a bandaid on it or duct tape on it and kind of keep it together. He couldn't or wouldn't do that in the end, but he's still, he's, he's the lead dog. So he bears responsibility. I just think as a fan, it's almost like you said it, 18 months. Maybe you had kind of come to grips with the divorce. Bill's comment today is like a kick in the nuts. It, it's like, okay, I had accepted it. You made a decision. You used all your information. Right. And now you're saying you wanted him. Now it's, it's almost, yeah. we always do this. It's a dysfunctional relationship. It's almost like the couple that they stop talking, they stop communicating, and then they divorce. And then they realize we still loved each other. We just, we got caught up in the battle instead of getting caught up in solving the problems. The well, in that case, in that scenario, that's on craft. Be the middle guy. Yeah. And he was the middle guy for a long time. He lost the ability to be this middle guy successfully, or he chose not to and, and Bill. But again, if Bill wanted him, why is he not here? Well, I, we can talk about it's a long like because they, they, they couldn't pay him at the end because they misused resources and money and but all that. Could. You can do whatever the hell you want. Voidable years and 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 I'm sorry if Taysom Hill can get a hundred and forty million dollar contract on paper to be the backup quarterback in Tampa, Tom Brady can get a hundred and forty million dollar contract on paper to stay the starting superstar franchise quarterback with the Patriots. Find a damn way if you want to. Yes, but then it would screw them years and years down the line. Well, and then the other issue is. Well, they're being screwed right now to some degree. Well, I know. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Um, the other issue is it could have sucked. They could have stayed together and it could have sucked. Well, that's how I was going to actually, when you were talking, like where would they be right now with this offense, with Tom Brady? Same kind of position. Now, I guess you don't know the idea that would anybody come to play with Brady? Like last offseason, if you had all that money, would you have gotten more? differently but you wouldn't have had as much money because brady's eating up money right um but would yeah would some 
game-changing. I almost think like Brady didn't want to devote the time with these to bring these guys along, where he was more he was more than willing to just go to a place that he knew what he had, veteran guys that are good in the league that they could just already be speaking the like PhD language. Where he didn't want to bring a guy that's you know in high school up to his level. He just didn't want to do that anymore. Right, but again, that's at the end. If Brady had signed, let's say he signed, maybe it's paper, not paper, but after uh, or before 19, let's say he signed like a five-year extension, $100 million, five years, some of it might be fake, whatever. Mm -hmm. That changes that. He never thinks about Tampa. He never thinks about the other places. It's all about how do we make the Patriots better? How do I finish my career with the Patriots? Who's coming? Who do I have to develop? Blah, 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 blah. So that's where we get fixated on. Yes, Tampa was obviously a better, and it worked. It could not have worked out any better for Brady, personally, really, professionally. Really like he's living the good life down in Tampa. Other than he lost and he's cranky now because he lost to the Rams, but he's living the good life down there. He'll get over it. Oh, he'll get over it quickly this week when <laughs> Gillette Stadium is cheering his touchdown, like fourth touchdown of the day, to beat up on the Patriots. Uh, let's get into that real quick. Sure. Is there a chance it gets ugly and the home crowd is just flat out rooting for Tom Brady? Yeah. I think so. I think there's a chance. He's going to get cheered. Then I think the bulk of the crowd will be rooting for the Patriots to shock the world, pull the upset. But then if it's ugly and some of the stuff that happened this week is happening against the Bucs and Brady's now up 21 to three at halftime, I think to some degree they'll just be rooting for Brady to score points and put up numbers and look great and have fun. I think the home crowd could be rooting for Tom. I think it's also going to be a strange crowd. Like it's not because it's such an expensive ticket. Like, I I don't know what to expect. Like, obviously it's going to be loud and whatever, but like, I don't think you're going to get the true like Patriot fans, like for the last 20 years, it's going to be a more like corporate crowd. Well, I think you'll, from talking to people I know, I think what you're going to get is a really somewhat disjointed crowd because like I know a guy that I think he has six or eight seats. So he's like, he's going, but he's selling the normal group that usually comes with him. He's not allowing to come. He's selling other tickets. He wants to get his season ticket money for the next like five years. Right. So I think you're going to have these where normally there would be six guys that are always there drinking. It's going to be two. And then he sold these and maybe he sold those in groups of two. Right. So there's going to be like a lack of continuity kind of in the crowd. Um, but yeah, I do think the crowd will cheer Brady hundred percent early. I wouldn't say hundred. I think, Oh, I think it's going to be pretty close to a hundred. I think 80, 80, 20. I think people have turned on more people have turned on Brady than you think. I mean, I am accused of turning on Brady more than anybody on the planet. And I don't know how you can't cheer him when he comes in. Why can't you boom? but you're just booing for the sake of booing. I feel like you're not actually feeling the booing. I think people have made it clear that they're on like the people that are on Bill's side are going to boo Tom. Okay. So you might be right. 80, 20, whatever the split is, but of the 20 that are booing, how many are booing with a smirk on their face? They're not actually angry. Oh, booing. I, I agree. They're, they're only booing because they made it they They picked Bill's side, right? They're playing a role. It's almost yeah. like a wrestling crowd. Yes. They have to boo for their guy that they're not rooting for, even though they know he entertained them for a long time. And if anything, he might, they might even want to be entertained by him today. Right. 
I, like how we, many people, yeah. how many people legitimately want to see Tom Brady fall on his face Sunday? Not like 1%. Yeah. I think even cause there's a, they'd like to, they, I think the dream scenario for some of those people is like a Mac Jones 42, 41 shootout victory over Tom Brady. Brady was yes. good. Brady threw touchdowns, but Mac Jones is the future. And he was ready today. That I don't know that there's a lot of people that in their heart of hearts want to see Brady sacked six times, throw three picks, look old, ugly, right? I don't, I don't know that anybody. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. And can we get rid of the half and half jerseys, like the half Patriots, half Bucks jerseys? I think that's the stupidest thing out there right now. It is. I, I have no interest in that. Like I'd rather you wear a Bucks Brady yes. jersey or wear, yeah, I don't, it, wear a Mac Jones jersey. Right. F Brady. Like get a personalized Mac Jones number 10, but instead of Jones, it says F Brady or something yeah. on the top. Yes. Yeah. Like the, the split thing, unless you're a, a mother of twin NFL players, there should be no split jerseys. No. All right. Uh, we'll be back Thursday with a extended preview podcast of the game. I'm sure there'll be a lot more Belichick Brady stuff. Uh, they'll, they'll be talking. I think by the time we do the podcast, Belichick will have his Wednesday press conference. I think Brady talks Wednesdays down there. He has his Jim Gray podcast that he does on Mondays, I believe. So there'll be stuff out there. Yeah. He said nothing post game because no. he was sulking for oh. the loss of the Rams, yeah. but uh, he has to address it. Now he'll say word salad. He'll oh. say lots of words and not be, I think Bill will already have had, more impactful words with the way he said it today on the Greg Hill show. I would agree. Love Mr. Kraft. He's going to love like he loves everybody except behind closed doors. He's MFing them and telling his dad. He's going to have his dad talk to some people. There's going to be some more stuff there. Uh, Sure. Alex might give another interview. Yeah. There'll there'll be the more stuff, but from behind closed doors and source. stuff. So should we get a uh, guest? Is this a big enough podcast or are we just going to handle it ourselves or should we get like a giardi perspective or a perillo perspective or uh it's up to you we'll we'll think about it i feel like it's big enough we might want to bring in one of the uh the hired guns the guests we could do that maybe perillo Perillo's an interesting guy because he i'm not sure exactly where he lies on the brady belichick spectrum fan boo and so if we get him out of like his normal patriots podcast maybe we get the true paul perillo thoughts if you if we're being honest paul lets the true thoughts slip out more often than you'd think on the old pu podcast uh, but yeah maybe we'll effort to uh to get paul perillo when we do our thursday afternoon uh preview podcast all right uh, we'll talk to you then have a good one peace out